Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. From the fourth chapter of John, in our series, Jesus Never Asks an Innocent Question. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus asked her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who, you are, who it is you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our, our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Well, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here and get water. Go, Jesus told her, and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't married to the man you're living with now. You certainly have spoken the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me why it is that you Jews insist on Jerusalem as the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer be a matter of whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when He comes, He will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. 
Our Heavenly Father, open our hearts, open our wills, move us, change us, transform us. We ask in the name of your Son. Amen. So what do we do when the well runs dry? When it's all empty? It's on my computer this week and one of those Bing photographs came on and I recognized it right away. It was a close-up of a rock formation that is on the, the Santa Barbara, the Channel Islands. It's on the far south end of these islands, and it's, there's a hole in the rock formation. So it's one of those places that the boats get off and go on their canoes and get off in, into this rock and, and, uh, and look around, and it's a beautiful formation. And when it was really clear in Ventura, where I had my church, church had a courtyard overlooking the ocean where we could see the heathen out on the water on Sunday morning. And we could see Anacapa Island and that rock formation on the end. Beautiful, beautiful setting. And so I saw that and I looked at it, studied it. I'd never been so close as that photograph, but it made me think about, as I was working on the sermon this week, one particular couple. We had a couple in our church who had a magnificent home on the hillside. And they had a patio out overlooking the ocean. And they had a perfect view of, of Anacapa Island. And I remember going up to see them one day. I was in the neighborhood, so I thought I'd just do a cold call and just stop by and see them and say hi. This is a couple who had it all. Their home was probably worth, at that time, maybe six or seven million. It's probably worth 60 or 70 million now in California, the way prices have gone. And they had a Park City condo, and they had a uh, a yacht down at, at one of the harbors and wonderful, beautiful couple that seemed to have it all. So I got out of the car and went up to the front door and before I rang the doorbell, I could hear from inside screaming or yelling at each other. So I and, and stepped out got in my car and, and drove off. But I remember thinking how this couple, how much, how beautiful, how, how very respected they were. And it was only a matter of time that I found out that they were divorcing. And I was, I was devastated for them. And the church was shocked, devastated. And it turns out that he had found someone half his age, and you know those kind of stories. And um, reminded me of, of a phrase that Sinclair Lewis wrote about. Wrote about a couple who was in, they were actually having an affair, and they were in for counseling. And the counselor said to them, you know, you're actually both very different from one another, but in one fundamental way, you are very much the same. You're both desperately unhappy. So how can it be? 
when you've got it all, you can be desperately unhappy. What do we do when the well runs dry? How do we respond? Where do we go? Well, Jesus and his disciples are coming up from Jerusalem. They're heading back up to Galilee, and they are going a way that most didn't go. Most of the time, they would, the, uh, the travelers would move from Jerusalem down to the Jordan River, then up, and then back into Galilee. But they went right through Samaria, enemy territory. And even today, the the hardships between the Palestinians and the Jews is still a legacy of that time. And they went up right through the, right through the spine of Samaria. And, and it's noontime. They've already been traveling for quite a while, probably eight hours already. And, and the guys, they came up to uh, Jacob's well. The guys went into town for some burritos. And um, Jesus sat down at the well. And as he did... A lone figure came through the shimmering heat and walked toward the well. And Jesus watched her. And ordinarily women came early in the morning when it was cool. They would come and draw water and talk and gossip and all of that sort of thing. Talk about how to raise their kids and how this kid is doing that with your kid. And, you know, they're fighting, so on and so on. All that talk that goes on in community life. And he watched her as she came. And Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans hated Jews. Whatever that translates into today, I mean, you can fill in that blank. But there was such antipathy between the two that when she came, she looked straight ahead, looked right to her work, and was shocked when he, who is a rabbi, spoke with her not just spoke with her, but asked that she would get him a drink, which means that she would have to share her vessel. Whatever it was that she drew, with which she drew the water, he would have to share that with a Samaritan. Not just a Samaritan, but a woman for, for all that matter. Jews were also kind of down on women as far as theological and religious things were concerned. There was a uh, there was a Jewish phrase from about that time that it was better to have the law thrown away than given to a woman. And, and so these attitudes were deeply entrenched. And here's Jesus with this woman. And she comes up, and then he asks this question. Will you give me a drink? Jesus never asked an innocent question. I even wonder if he was really thirsty. He was engaging with her. And she avoids the topic, avoids the issue. She simply transfers the conversation from, how can you, a Jew, ask of me, a Samaritan, this? And, and, and she goes off on, Worship on this hill versus down in Jerusalem, Mount Gerizim versus Mount Moriah. How is it that you can worship there? We can worship here. Who's right? And Jesus, in so many words, says the fact is, dear woman, you have never worshipped 
It hasn't been a part of your life. That's not what's at issue here. What's at issue here? Go call your husband. And he tells her that he knows. She's had five husbands. And the one, the one he's with now, are we surprised after five that she's fearful about marrying again? Whether or not those men died, whether or not she was widowed or divorced, is it any wondering why she might not feel comfortable to, to marry again? And since this is known, because small communities know, large communities know, because even large communities have enclaves of knowing, people know. And maybe this is why she came at noon. Maybe she's just so tired of the talk. Maybe she's so tired of the looks or the lack of looks. Maybe she's tired of the dismissive conversations of not being included, not, being, not entering in. This is a woman whose well had run dry. And when Jesus spoke to her of living water, he didn't, she didn't really go where Jesus was going. She said, well, give me this water so I have to come to the well. She'll still have to come to the well. But she'll have to come in a, in a different way. She would come in a way where her life is being fed from the deep waters of faith and, and, and love, the love that God has for her. She would come as a transformed person. So yeah, she wants this water. She doesn't think she'll have to come again to the well. She'll always have to be back. But she's come empty. And what she really wants is to be made full, to be made whole. All those men didn't do it. Whatever wealth or poverty that she shared with them, none of it, none of them. None of those relationships managed to fill the vacuum in her heart and life. And she comes to the well not knowing that she's searching, that she's longing, that she's empty, and she's hoping. She comes to the well. She meets Jesus. And Jesus tells her that he's the one that she's looking for. He's the man that she has been looking for all along. Not as a husband, but as a Lord. Not as a husband, but as a savior of her soul. Not as one who would be one of a, a long line, a long parade. But as one 
who will bring that parade to a, con a close, to a conclusion, where she can be happy and whole within herself. A woman came to me when I was a pastor in Ventura at that same place where we could see Anacapa Island. She came in to talk to me about being married. She'd been married four times before. And I had with me Bev Thanos. Bev was kind of my mom away from mom and a great, great woman of the church. And she sat and listened to this unfold. And I was 34, 35 years old. I knew how to be a pastor. I'd been to Princeton Seminary. I'd read the books. I knew I could quote Karl Barth and Helmut Thielicke and all those German guys. And she told me her story. And when she was done, she was weeping. And my heart was hard. I went psychobabble on her. I asked her what she had done in all those relationships. And when she left, I looked at Bev. Bev also was weeping. This woman came because her well was empty. She came to her pastor, not just to get married, because the thing is not just the thing. The thing is never just the thing. That was the agenda that, that gave her the opportunity to come in and see her pastor. Just like the woman going for water, it wasn't really water that she was going for. She was going for that which would fill her emptiness. And then, as, as in so many instances in my ministry, I learned the hard way. And this dear, dear woman, about four weeks later, lost her 18-year-old son in a car accident. And her well was so empty. And it was an occasion for me, and Bev prompted me in this, and it was an occasion for me to go and love this woman through this great tragedy that she had endured. If I had, only I'd read this passage correctly, when, it, when I'd preached on it the, the first time, if only I'd read this passage to understand and see that, that this is really about Jesus attending to us, whatever it is that we bring to him. That he's not in the judgment business, even though he's the judge of the world. When he takes all of the stuff of the world, all the sin of the world, into his own body, and it dies with him on the cross. Why would I not carry to this woman forgiveness? Why do we not afford to ourselves the forgiveness that God extends? Why would we not receive the living water that constantly keeps that well full.
Why would we not? Will you bow with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, the reason we don't is because of our pride. We think we can do it ourselves. We think we can manage. We can handle it. Whether it's one more spouse, one more drink, one more purchase, we think we can do it ourselves. Lord, let us know you're there waiting at the well. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.